Patrick, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up GOAT District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We are back for a special edition, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, with a huge guest today, fresh off of Tommy Libretti last night. Go check out last night's two-hour show. Tons of goatness on that one to help you guys get better in fantasy. And this hour is going to be no different. We are so pumped to have the co-founder of Establish the Run. You know this man already, for sure. Adam Leventan, welcome to the Goat District, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. And I love that intro. I love the, the personalized intro song to the podcast. We got to get that going. That's actually awesome. We'll hook you up with uh, Gabe's, uh, Gabe's uh, digits when he's uh, between twins and changing diapers and whatever else the man bun's got going on. But we're happy to have you, man. Andrew, our, uh, the fourth wheel of our, of our car here, always jokes that established the run and the goat district would be the perfect partner because our colors just match so well. <laughs> Yeah, and Adam, you should you should hear our, our best ball. Our best ball song might be even better. Even better. Our, yeah. our ball in yeah. episodes. It's really, really good stuff. Amazing. All right, Theo, let's get started, man. We want to squeeze Adam as much as we can for this 60. So you guys are putting out a, a lot of tremendously good content, um, whether it's podcasts um, and written content over at Establish the Run. Um, you guys recently came out with um, a lot of your, your materials for, for your draft kit um, to help get people prepared for their drafts. Um, who are a few players that established the run has ranked higher than consensus? You guys are more bullish on than maybe the, 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 some other sites and, uh, players. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, you know, I think, uh, early in the process like this, you see a wider disparity of, of people's rankings and people's opinions. And, you know, as the market gets more liquid, i.e. more people come into the market, it's going to be more efficient from an ADP perspective. So yeah, I, I always encourage people um, to draft early when they can. You can get crazy, crazy values. I think a lot of it is already starting to move. You know, like Aaron Jones was going in round three not that long ago. Now he's in round two. Same with Saquon Barkley, you know, and all, all kinds of stuff like that. I think some later guys that were higher on the market right now would be Ramondre Stevenson would probably be number one. I think people are underestimating What's going on with James White's hip injury? And so, like, there's a really good chance. I mean, Mike Reese left James White off of his roster projection, uh, projected James White to start the year on PUP. And, like, James White's 30 years old. This hip injury doesn't sound good. Ramondre Stevenson, I think, is clearly better than Damian Harris in the past game. I think they have no desire or intention whatsoever to use Damian Harris in the past game at all. So you could see Ramondre get a share of the early down work and all the pass down work. Beyond the really good offensive line for the Patriots, I think that one's interesting. 
the Kadarius Tony one, we're, we're certainly higher on Kadarius Tony, obviously, was an absolute monster in targets per route run last year. Had all kinds of weird off field stuff going on, which may continue, but man, you know, so much talent. And you get arguably, I think, probably the biggest coaching upgrade in the entire NFL from an offensive scheme perspective, going from just the absolute idiots they had running the giant stuff before to now getting Brian Dable in there. And then Trey Lance too. I think there's like some like public perception out there that like Jimmy G is coming back or has a chance to come back, you know? And I think once people realize that's not happening, uh, Trey Lance's ADP is going to, going to skyrocket. And so we're trying to be out in front of that. And we're projecting Jimmy G to play zero games for the 49ers this season. We love the Ramondre Stevenson uh, love. We uh, mm-hmm. talked about him a lot last night on our, our running back show. He's certainly intriguing. How can people use your guys' rankings uh, kind of to exploit ADP at this time of the year? Yeah, so, you know, right in all our tables, we have our rankings right next to ADP. And, like, just because we have a guy ranked four rounds above ADP doesn't mean you should take him four rounds above ADP. I think people make that mistake a lot, like understanding where you can get a guy. And if you do enough of these drafts, you understand where a guy normally goes, where you can get him, where you might need to reach. And you start to get a feel, too, for guys rising. You know, like I already mentioned Saquon Barkley. Like, I could, like, feel that people were starting to get higher and higher on Saquon Barkley. So you got to, if you want him, you have to stop waiting to the third round, towards the end of the second round, towards the second round. And now, like, man, I, you know, uh, there's some early second round Saquon going on now. As soon, so, as soon as the shirt comes off, Adam, it's over, man. Right. It's, it's over. It's over. <laughs> over. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, I think under, understanding ADPs is, is vitally important for sure. And Dan, Dan, you're a big fan of Aaron Jones as well. How high or were you comfortable taking him right now? Uh, I have no problem taking Aaron Jones into the, you know, into the probably mid second round or so, uh, you know, though at that point there, there might be some wide receivers I'm looking at a little bit more, but you know, I want to make sure I have some Aaron Jones in my portfolio oh, yeah. before all is said and done. So I'll, I'll make sure I get some there. Does that mean you guys are low on AJ Dillon, Adam? I kind of like his price at, at six, just he's got a bit of that standalone and, and obviously injury possibilities there. No, we're, we're high on both. We have Aaron Jones 17th overall right now, and we have A.J. Dillon 76th overall. So we're slightly behind market on A.J. Dillon by, by a hair. But no, we're, we're projecting Packers pass rate to decline uh, again this year. And it was already like not that, that high, not that extreme. But I think that you'll see them go more towards the middle of the pack in pass rate. I mean, the very clear strength of the team right now is the backfield. I mean, Aaron Jones is so good, and so is A.J. Dillon, and so... I agree with you that like the standalone plus stuff is so, so, so vital. And I took a ton of AJ Dillon in like round 10 and nine last year. It wasn't like a total smash, but he had some certain spike weeks and I still feel good about that pick too. Right. And they, they showed they're not afraid to use them in the passing game either. I mean, they're, they're, yep. you know, they're throwing some balls his way. Yep. For sure. And you got to like Aaron Jones and splits. Uh, I know it's a small sample size, but without Devonte Adams, he's like, He's the he's the league winner if he can if he can keep that up. Yeah, I, I think that's going to regress some. I, I do think that people uh, from just like a talent perspective don't think of Aaron Jones in like the same Alvin Kamara type vein. But I don't think that from a pass catching perspective, it's all that different between Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara. Like they can both go out and catch four, five, six passes in a game, and and I wouldn't even think twice about it. I think you know Drew Brees was so especially at the end like target rate of running back was so high completion rate was so high and you started to get these outlier Alvin Kamara catch games where it's like eight, nine, 10, but that doesn't mean that he's a better receiver than Aaron Jones. It was just a different situation. So yeah, I think people underrate Aaron Jones receiving ability for sure. 
Right. We've, and those, we've, are, those are two running backs we can definitely expect to be on this field, I think, at the same time. A lot of times, you know, they, they can split out Aaron Jones anytime they want. Uh, leave Dylan in the backfield. I mean, they have to. I, I'm, I don't have a lot of high hopes for Christian Watson in, in year one. And I, I think people are overhyped on Al Lazard. And yeah, I mean, they just, I think Sammy Watkins is dust. So, I mean, they have no choice but to, but to start doing some creative stuff. Um, we recently saw Gronk retire. Who are the biggest beneficiaries in Tampa? And then factoring in the kind of pessimistic outlook that we have for, for Chris Godwin um, in, his, in his, you know, nobody can really give you an exact number of games he's going to miss. I tend to think it's a little more than some people think. How high are you on Russell Gage? And can Mike Evans challenge for wide receiver one overall? Yeah, definitely on Mike Evans. I mean, you know, I, I don't typically view Mike Evans as like a huge yardage guy. Um, he's put on earth to score touchdowns, obviously. Like he is so incredible uh, around the goal line uh, on jump balls deep. I, you know, number one overall would mean that you'd probably have to catch 100 balls, 110 balls. That's a lot, I think, for the way Mike Evans wins. But, man, you know, from a touchdown perspective alone, he could certainly challenge for the wide receiver one spot. Russell Gage, I, I was impressed with last year, man. Like, you know, one thing that I think the fantasy community has trouble with is guys getting better, you know. And I know no one liked Russell Gage coming out. He's six foot. He's 185. He wasn't that good. He was a six-round pick. But guys are allowed to get better once they get into the league, you know, and like Russell Gage legit, I thought got better and was actually impressive last year in a pretty dire situation in Atlanta. And so I, I'm pretty optimistic. I was optimistic about Russell Gage, even if I thought Chris Godwin was coming back, you know, early. And, and now that it looks like Chris Godwin's going to be October, November. Well, yeah, I, I like Russell Gage. We have moved Russell Gage ahead of uh, Chris Godwin in the rankings, I think, at this point most people have based on on the recent news and yeah i i like i like both them the, the guy i don't like is is cam Brate. you know i think yeah i couldn't believe how excited people were about cam Brate. it just made no sense to me at all it's weird it's weird the enthusiasm for uh just thinking cam Brate can suddenly produce like he's hasn't ever produced really um and and just and, uh, just add to gauge theo he gave you almost 45 percent as a as a wide receiver one from week 12 to week 18 in that offense. So imagine now with Brady and Tampa Bay, we could see that those numbers just continue to escalate. Yeah. He's, he's super, he's super interesting. And there's a lot of smart money um, in the, in the high stakes that it's on Russell Gage right now. He's shot up. Um, we had Dave Hubbard and Billy Muzi on the other day. They're both drafting the hell out of Russell Gage. So um, there's a lot of people on him right now, but he's going to certainly reach a point maybe where he gets a little too expensive. Mm. How high would you be comfortable taking him? Yeah. I mean, his ADP has just absolutely gone nuclear. I, I see him going to the 60s a lot now. And I wouldn't be surprised if, like, he was in the high 50s before uh, things got too far. We actually have him 84th overall in half PPR. And so we're certainly getting – we were ahead of market, and now we're getting behind market on this ADP explosion, you know. So, um, yeah, I think there definitely comes a point on Russell Gage where, like, I like Russell Gage. He's not a fifth-round pick. I'll, I'll say that. Alvin Kamara's stock is plummeting. We've seen him drop in, in the high-stakes drafts this week, like, real low. There was an FFWC draft I saw, 350, where he went in the fifth round, um, which is odd. But he's certainly dropping in FFPC and NFFC. How should fantasy gamers approach, like, an uncertain situation? Like, are you looking to dive into a potential value on a low-end suspension, um, potentially no suspension? Or do you, are you being a little apprehensive, thinking that, that this might be, you know, six, six games or so? 
You know what's crazy? I, there's surveillance tape of this because like it's in the police report. There's surveillance tape and nobody's seen it, right? And I, I'm, or I haven't seen it. I don't know if you guys have. I, I have not no. seen the surveillance tape. No, nobody has. Right. And, and so I, I feel like a lot of this comes down to like public pressure. And if that tape gets out, and I assume it's going to get out, like it could get bad for Kamara if, if what it says in the police report and what the victim, alleged victim is alleging is true. So I know Pro Football Talk came out with the report and, you know, it was, it was, you know, couched and Flair always does the couch stuff. You know, it, 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 he thought, I guess the point of his article is he thought that six games based on the terms of the CBA, felony assault, six games, no, no questions asked. We don't know that Kamara is actually going to get felony assault yet. Um, and I don't know how it's going to play out. So I, I think it depends on your format, you know, and also depends who you're playing in, in in home leagues where I think I have a huge edge, I can get ridiculous values on my bench. I can have Ramondre Stevenson in the 12th round, et cetera, et cetera. I'm more willing to take guys like Kamara so that I can build a super team for the playoffs. Um, I think in the best ball formats where all the money is up top and the end uh, tournaments, I mean, literally every, almost every dollar is at the end. I'm more willing to take Kamara in tough managed leagues. I think it's harder to use a second or third round pick on guy like Kamara because you're giving up so much opportunity cost you know god I, I I do like him though and and it's hard so I would just encourage people to um think about their format and think about the structure of their team and if you can if you have enough running back depth do you think you can get enough running back depth later to sit on Kamara for six seven eight weeks you're asking a lot out of your bench I guess is what I'm trying to say do you, do you think there's any chance that uh, the suspension could come later in the season than the beginning? Yeah. Like, you know, it could be handed down in, you know, like late October, November, something like that. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, lawyers can do all kinds of things to delay this, you know, and and they could delay it, delay it, delay it. And we, maybe they delay it till after this this full season. I mean, who, who knows? So, so yeah, sure. I think there, there's an extremely wide range of outcomes on on Kamara for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird situation. And it's, it's kind of like... Uh, a team structure um, has to play into it as well. If you're drafting Kamara, um, I don't know. It's, it's like such a, you know, to see him in the fourth round, it's, it's something that it's really hard to pass up, but uh, I think it kind of depends on what you've done in the first three rounds. You better be really locked in on those guys. Um, and a follow-up is what about approaching a player where we have clarity on the number of games in the suspension? How would you treat a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, where we know he's going to miss uh, the six games, um, and then we know we're getting him back healthy? Yeah, I I was already kind of like I was out on DeAndre Hopkins last year, and I, I thought that um, I know he you know had injuries and whatever you know he just something that seemed off with him, uh, and really this offense like I, I just I don't have a lot of respect for Cliff Kingsbury and the way he's designing this offense. Like if he didn't have Kyler Murray, like Cliff would just look like a total dolt because Kyler Murray is masking so much of what the Cardinals are doing. Kyler is so, so, so good. You know, I, I'm not that high on DeAndre Hopkins anyways. And then to add in the suspension, we have him 72nd overall. He's going around 75th overall, an underdog or so. You know, I, I again, structure of your team. How many wide receivers do you have already? Can you afford to sit on DeAndre Hopkins for that long how effective do you think he'll be upon his return, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I have not been targeting DeAndre Hopkins. You know, like I take Thielen ahead of him. 
Uh, I take Drake London ahead of him. I, take, yeah, I see that one. London. Yeah. I, I take Devonte Smith ahead of him. I think it's probably close for me between Traylon Burks and, and Deandre Hopkins, but, but yeah, all those guys in that range, like Tony Christian Kirk, like all those guys I think are, are fine to me above Deandre Hopkins. I'm not like going my way for it. Sky Moore. Sky Moore. No, I think I, I think I would go That's the line. Hop, Hopkins there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the the nice thing about Hopkins is also we know when his, his suspension is, so we can kind of plan our teams around him. If we do end up uh, putting him on the squad, then you know you know you you got to have a plan for the first six weeks. Yeah, yeah, I took him this week um, in that like seventh roundish um, area um, as my wide receiver four in a in a football guys draft. Like I kind of like him there. I just think if you know if you get out to a head start and then you potentially get him back at you know fifteen plus points a week, um, it could be a real help to you. Um, just again, depending on your build. Um, last season, we saw Matthew Stafford lead the Rams to a Super Bowl victory in his first season in LA. The year before, we saw Tom Brady do the same in Tampa. What's your expectations for Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos right now? And how are you playing the Denver Broncos for fantasy? specific oh. guys you're targeting or guys you want this, this is the hardest man they're absolutely loaded i mean my god i like everybody on denver i mean even if you go down to like greg <laughs> dolchich like i i literally like everyone and, and and that's not unique everybody likes everyone on denver the problem is you're not gonna be able to support it right this is not and and this is not going to be an extremely unbalanced team like i don't think we'll see pass rate over expectation on the broncos get even above average i think it'll probably come in somewhere around average. So it's not a situation where you're getting all these PPR and half PPR points extra because Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball 45 times a game to all these guys. It's going to be really hard for this offense to support the ADPs of Javante, Judy, Sutton, Alberto. I guess it's going to be, and I, and a lot of people like, like Hamler too. Like, I, I don't know, man, like it's going to be really hard. I think one or two of the guys on Denver are going to pop and pop in a big way. And the rest are going to be disappointments. And that's barring some injury that thins it out or whatever. But yeah, I would say my favorite right now is probably Cortland Sutton. And honestly, at ADP, my favorite is my second favorite is probably Melvin Gordon. You know, um, Melvin Gordon, coaches love giving the ball to Melvin Gordon for whatever reason. And Melvin Gordon was actually good last year. Like a lot of underlying, and I love Javante Williams. I think Javante Williams, we would have had Javante Williams in the top five if Melvin Gordon hadn't resigned, like top five overall. But with Melvin Gordon there, you know, I, I think that the base case for uh, Javante is a little bit worse than where he's going. The ceiling case is obviously way, 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 way better. I mean, he's going to play, I think, ahead of Melvin in the past game. And then obviously if something happens to Melvin, he just goes nuke. But it, it goes the other way, too. If something happens to Javante, I think Melvin Gordon could go absolutely nuke also. And so to get Melvin Gordon at like 105th, 110th overall or something, I would say that's my favorite. But yeah, I think Russ is going to come in. And play really well. It's 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 hard for him not to. Obviously, the division is absolutely loaded, so it's going to be tough. And and again, the biggest thing to me on the Denver stuff is I, I like everyone, and not everyone's going to be able to pay off their ADP. Yeah, I, I think that's totally true. I mean, a couple couple guys are definitely going to just not be able to uh, to pay that off. What about um, Alberto and uh, Tim Patrick? Between the two of them, uh, which one do you like at ADP better? Oh, God. You know, the Greg Dolchich pick scares me. Not And, you know, like these rookie tight ends normally don't have a big impact. It's no big deal. But a lot of times those guys are like blocking types. Greg Dolchich 
is not a blocker at all. Greg, Greg Dolchitz exclusively runs routes. Like he is not going to come in there and like take blocking snaps away and, and stay in line. So if Greg Dolchitz ends up having a role, it's going to be a pass catching role. And that's not great for Albert O, but man, Albert O's just like natural athletic ability is so intriguing. I, I would say him over Tim Patrick to me. I don't want to disparage Tim Patrick though. I mean, Tim Patrick, I think can be an NFL starter. He just has played behind guys, you know, in Denver and, and kind of is what it is. I do think Tim Patrick can really play though, but I'll go with Albert O as the one I prefer at ADP there. Yeah, we, we talked about the Albert O Dulcich situation, and I think it, it might have created a, a good buying window for Albert O. It, it suppressed his price a little bit. He was like so rising so high, um, and now he's somewhat affordable. You could mm-hmm. even take him in a, like a two tight end build. So he's interesting. Um, I, I feel like with the, the receivers, I want to have exposure to both. Like Sutton costs more right now. Um, but I, I'd like to have some exposure to Judy, some exposure to Sutton uh, in case one does does really pop. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely bullish on that offense um, and their chances, that, you know, to make it three in a row Super Bowl-wise. I, I got – I laughed because I'm doing that drafters, and I went Javante in the third, Sutton in the fourth, and Judy in the fifth for that million dollar uh, doing the, the, the Denver stack. So maybe I'll slow down moving down down the draft. I, I Always be stacking, Betty. Always be stacking. For sure. Yeah, other than a stack, I have a hard time talking myself into Judy. I'll be honest. Yeah, um, same. Agreed. I, I, I just haven't seen enough uh, over his last two years. Yeah. I, I do think that, like, the Jerry Judy, he had, like, a really bad injury. I mean, those high ankle sprains that these guys have, and, and he was on his way to a huge game in week one last year. I know that's an incredibly small sample, but he has that high ankle sprain in week one, and it was just, like, never the same. And so, yeah. yeah. Isn't isn't Hamler Good coming point. off a pretty big injury or something? Yeah. Yeah, Hamler had his ACL too. Yeah, yeah. What about another new quarterback in town in Indianapolis with Matt Ryan? What yeah. is Matt Ryan? Uh, what is your expectation for Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts offense? Yeah, the Colts love just like and I and you know they got blindsided by the Andrew Luck thing, but the, you know uh, we'll bring in Philip Rivers at the end of his career. Oh, we'll bring in Carson Wentz after nobody wants him anymore. Oh, now we'll bring in Matt Ryan at the end of his career. You know, it's like hard to get excited about it. Um, I think they'll run a lot of two tight end sets. And so that's going to like lead to a lot of condensed target share. These teams that run mostly two tight end, two wide receiver sets, the target shares are so much more condensed. And so, yeah, I mean, we have a big projection on, on Michael Pittman. You know, I, I think that they're still going to try to build the offense around Jonathan Taylor, obviously, and not play too freewheeling. I think with Matt Ryan there, instead of Wentz, you get um, a bit more like, veteran won't make mistakes presence and maybe that will allow them to air it out a little bit more but yeah i'm not you know overly excited i think the alec pierce paris campbell battle is is one that i'll be watching and probably like you know get too excited about whoever wins that that's kind of my thing like i i I love getting too excited about like these diamond in the rough guys that i like paris campbell and alec pierce and stuff like that so so yeah, but I'll be watching that one for sure. The, honestly, the one I'm most excited about at, at ADP on the Colts is, is Mo Ali Cox. I think Mo Ali Cox will be on the field for every snap. And then in two tight end sense, it'll be uh, Granson versus Jelani Woods to see who has uh, that job. But Mo Ali Cox can really play, man. And and yeah, I, he's Let like it. he's like free Mo Ali Cox. I mean, I don't even know what his ADP is. I was like, just trying, I'm trying to find it. Yeah, he's he's super late. Even even in the tight end premiums, he's going around 18. Uh, on uh, in the football guys championship right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Michael- I, can can I throw in uh, one other quarterback question? As, sure. as long as we're 
we're on it. Uh, probably the thing in your, you know, in the ETR rankings that surprised me the most is uh, Daniel Jones over Kirk Cousins. Oh yeah. Any any thoughts on that? Right. We are we we are leading the uh, Giants and Daniel Jones and Brian Dable uh, train. Yeah, you know, I, as I said, the scheme that they were running last year was like not fair to the players. I mean, it, it's just it's just total idiotic. Now Brian Dable comes in and Brian Dable legit knows what he's doing and knows what he's doing with a quarterback like Daniel Jones. You remember when Josh Allen came out, everybody hated Josh Allen. Uh, he's inaccurate. Uh, uh, you know, he's just some big Ophi guy. Josh Allen and Daniel Jones' athleticism, I, I don't think is all that different. Daniel Jones can run. I know everybody points to that clip where like he falls down uh, when he like the wide. Daniel Jones has rushing ability, not at the same level as Josh Allen, but I think like not that 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 far off. So you combine that for Daniel Jones with what I think is a pretty good supporting cast on offense. Like the offensive line has undoubtedly improved by a lot, and then you get Ga- Galladay. Tony Barkley, hopefully Sterling Shepard is healthy. They have Slayton. Obviously, they drafted Wendell. So, uh, you know, I, I think that they're going to play very much more aggressive passing, very much more aggressive vertically under Dable. And then you'll get some rushing ability and you'll get yak from these guys who I think can actually play like Wendell and Tony and Saquon. And so I have no problem with, with Kirk Cousins. I, I do think the ceiling is bigger. Like we know it is what it is on Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think Vikings pass rate will improve this year and we have baked that in with Zimmer gone and O'Connell in, but, but yeah, I, I think the ceiling on Daniel Jones is bigger than, than people realize. And um, hopefully that doesn't cost me a fortune for like the third year in a row on Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's more about Jones, uh, you know, what you see is his potential upside rather than uh, in anything with cousins that you see uh, as being a glaring weakness or issue or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like, I've had blinders for quarterbacks who I think can run a little bit in the past. Like, I didn't take nearly enough Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady last year, right? Because, like, it's really – you have to be so efficient when you give, get no rushing. Like, you have to – your touchdown rate has to be so high. Your completion percentage has to be so high. But those guys did it, right? And, like, I, I'm just always bet, betting more on guys, give them more room for error because they can run a little bit. And, like, Kirk Cousins needs to be extremely efficient. He's not giving you any rushing hardly. He needs to be extremely efficient. And – I think he will be. So, uh, you know, that's why we have them close. But yeah, the rushing thing is always going to be like, uh, I guess a blind spot, but I do think that it's right. Okay. Yeah. And that, so kind of Justin Fields for the same reasons, um, you know, better, better offensive coordinator, better offense, yeah. um, you know, just the, all those factors plus the fact he can run. I mean, they didn't even design an offense for the, the offense they gave Justin Fields last year looked like the one that they had for Andy Dalton, you know, right. like, and so that's not fair to the kid, you know, to evaluate him based on that. I, I, you know, I do think that Justin Fields is not like a Lamar Jackson type rusher. Like when people say that, it's just, it, it doesn't ring true to me at all. And even in the preseason when it was kind of more freewheeling, if you watch Justin Fields, like he, he was not looking uh, to run, like tuck and run at all. Um, and even in college, like he wasn't that big uh, of a rusher either. And so I think Justin Fields can and will, but I actually think we have a better rushing projection on Trey Lance right now than we do on, on Justin Fields. And Nagy didn't even run RPO for him. Right. They didn't, they did nothing for him. There was no, like you looked at any end design rollout type situation. They, they weren't doing anything. It was, it was very weird when you actually take a step back and look at it and hopefully, you know, they, they unlock it this year in Indy um, or excuse me in Chicago. I want to go back to one question on Michael Pittman, who I know you guys are high on, um, but we see him rising way up in ADP. 
he's going somewhere between wide receiver 10 and wide receiver 14 in every single draft. Does there get to be a point where you're out on Pittman? Oh yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I I don't think he's um, like going to challenge to be a top five wide receiver or anything. We have him around wide receiver 16 right now. Like I certainly prefer DJ Moore. Uh, certainly prefer AJ Brown. And I, I think I prefer guys like Waddle and, and uh, big Mike Williams as, as well. And maybe McLaurin as well. Uh, for me, I know that's way off on ADP, but yeah, I, I'm not like falling over myself to get Michael Pittman at all. I think when people do projections and obviously our rankings are based in some form of projections that are then like kind of massaged to be, have the rankings where we want them. You know, Michael Pittman is going to have a huge target share, like Alec Pierce versus Paris Campbell and then like a bunch of athletic but unproven tight ends is the competition, you know, and Jonathan Taylor, they don't really show much desire to throw the football to. And so, yeah, you're going to get a big, big, big target share on Michael Pittman. And, and sometimes that can get outsized, I think, because there's really nowhere else to push it. That doesn't mean he's going to be successful with that opportunity. We, we have a bunch of running backs this year that are like age 26 and older being drafted in the first few rounds um, pretty much of every draft. Is there an older running back besides Zeke that you're that you're nervous about maybe really falling off and busting at ADP? Yeah, I, I can. Uh, this one's gonna get replayed down my throat, but I can see it going bad for Derrick Henry. Man, like the Titans um, could be bad. They might want to get a look at Malik Willis at some point, and I think Malik Willis coming in would not be great for Derrick Henry just taking red zone rushing opportunities, taking inside the five rushing opportunities from Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is also 28 years old, had a serious injury last year. I know he came back. Um, but anytime you have a guy who like doesn't play in the past game and is relying so much on volume, like he needs 20, 25 carries every single game. So you're relying on game script. You're relying on efficiency rushing. And I know he's been doing it for so long and, and you know, it's been frustrating when you don't have Derrick Henry. He just like, breaks through eight guys in the line of scrimmage, goes for a 90-yard touchdown at the end of the game. I think that's just like what he does. And I get it. At some point, it's not going to happen anymore. So, you know, I, I think in a top five pick, I would not be taking Derrick Henry. I think we have him like eighth or ninth overall. I'm okay with that. I would probably prefer it closer to to 10th or 11th personally uh, for me on Derrick Henry this year. And obviously, it's scary, man. Like the, one of the scariest fades in fantasy is, is Derrick Henry. Like I, every time, you know, I mostly play DFS and I... I Every time I don't play Derrick Henry and the lineups lock and I see that like 30% of everybody else has Derrick Henry, I'm like, God, this is good. This could be really painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of funny too, though, that you mentioned that because uh, last month we did, well, I, yeah, I guess it was last month, the uh, the hard way draft. Uh, Derrick Henry went off the board at, at RB9, uh, middle mm-hmm. of the second round. Yeah. And this is, this is a lot of, uh, you know, very good high stakes players. Uh, kind of the one of the first uh, drafts where we, you know, we start button heads with each other. And uh, Henry just, yeah, he, he fell farther than anybody thought he would fall. And he fell right to, as it, as it turns out, right to where you have him pegged. Yeah. So there's actually, I, there's, there's three teams now, Dan, in the football guys with an Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry start, including our draft. So, yep. um, you know, that could potentially be lethal if you want to go with the old, old running backs um, this year. And Henry's, we've, we've talked to a lot of, a lot of uh, high stakes players and analysts and yeah, there's, there's certainly a lot of concern of, about Henry. Um, 
And I don't think I'm going to have any of them because I'd probably be comfortable taking him where, where he's going in that second round. And I, I don't, I don't see that happening that often. Oh, I mean, the more casual draft you're in, the higher Henry's going to go. I mean, people yep. love clicking Derrick Henry, you know, like people just love it. I mean, they, they love, and, and I love watching Derrick Henry too, man. He's just a total freak, but yeah, it is what it is. No, for sure. Um, we've, we've, uh, and JD and Dan, do you have any other, uh, running backs that are maybe a little bit older that, that you're concerned about that, uh, maybe the market's not? Oh, let's see. Um, I'm s- such an ageist when it comes to, to the running back. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I tend to be a little bit as well. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not super high on, um, on Chubb. Um, I just, and it's not necessarily his age either. I mean, it's just kind of the whole, you know, the Cleveland offense is making me nervous. I don't see, uh, Deshaun Watson playing this year, most likely. And, you know, uh, I, I'm just not sure there's going to be, you know, that that offense is going to stay on schedule the way it needs to, for him to really get, uh, up to the, the level he needs to be, uh, where he's being drafted ADP wise. You guys uh, at, at ETR looks like probably a little bit lower on him as well. Uh, most people have him in their top twelve. You have him uh, just outside that. So I, I think Adam, you're probably pretty close to where I am on him. What did, any thoughts on Chubb? Oh yeah, uh, you know we're so um, driven by pass game role. It just creates such a better floor and a better ceiling. And so when guys don't have the pass game role, they're going to get dinged for us. Like period. Yep. Nick Chubb will be one of the most efficient running backs in the league. You know. Even with Jacoby Brissett back there, I think he will be. But talking about a guy who, I, and I do think Kareem Hunt's going to stay on the team. Um, I know there's been speculation around Kareem Hunt getting traded, and I think that maybe is baked a bit into like if I'm making a case for Nick Chubb, like one of the best cases that they trade Kareem Hunt, you know. But right. I do think that you know Deion Johnson is there, and they just drafted uh, Jerome Ford, and and so yeah, they have a lot of uh, a crowded backfield. But yeah, just anytime a running back doesn't play in the pass game, like they're going to get a ding, big a big time ding from us and guys who do play in the pass game. Uh, are going to get a boost, period. Chubb just kind of that purgatory player where you don't get a lot of upside drafting him, um, you know, maybe structurally, but he's just he's just so boring to draft. And, and even if he has a – even if he exceeds expectations, you're never going to get that, that great receiving work um, that Adam talked about. Speaking of right. receivers, we've had every single guest since our – since we pivoted over from rookie draft-focused uh, shows answer this one. Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and Justin Jefferson are the top three wide receivers in every single format, best ball or redraft. Um, they're locked in. Which wide receiver besides these three has the best shot at finishing number one overall in the position? And you're welcome to give a few guys if, if you're bullish on a few. Yeah, I'll give the obvious one, I feel like, and then I'll, I'll give one that's way off the board. That The obvious one to me is Steph Diggs. I mean, I, I could not explain what happened to Steph Diggs last year. Like, I, and he wasn't even bad, but he never just like completely went off, you know? And I think people thought he had a disappointing year because he, he didn't have any like huge, huge, huge games. There was just nothing I saw or could find in the data that why he didn't just completely erupt. And Buffalo, you know, is going to be in the top three in pass rate over expectation. Steph Diggs is going to play every single snap. I think Steph Diggs is still very much in the prime of his career and is just like so, so, so good. And so, yeah, I think Steph Diggs could easily beat out those guys. The, the guy that's way off the board who people are going to call me insane. Juju Smith-Schuster ha- has a chance to see 150 targets from Patrick Mahomes, and he's 25 years old, 
and he's coming off an injury and he's also coming off playing with Ben Roethlisberger, which is completely tanked everybody's perception of him. I don't play much dynasty, but there was a time I, I feel like Juju Smith-Schuster was like the number one player in dynasty mm-hmm. people were taking or like at least top five. And then to give up on him so fast and to give up on him when he's going to play with Patrick Mahomes now better, after yeah. they lost, after they lost Tyreek Hill seems, seems crazy to me. And so if you told me that Juju can get 150, 160 targets from Patrick Mahomes this year, which I don't think is like that, that, that insane, especially with Travis Kelsey's age. I mean, why can't Juju Smith-Schuster finish in, in like the top five of wide receivers? And I know that sounds insane because he's going in like, I don't even know, like the seventh round or something like that, or the fifth round yeah. or something like that. You know, I, I just, I, I want to be high on on Juju for sure. And so maybe that doesn't answer your question because it's outlandish to think that he could actually finish number one. But I did bet on Juju Smith-Schuster to lead the NFL in receiving yards. I think I got 150 to one or something like that. And so uh, one time on Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, you got the show title. You got the show title, JD. Adam Levitan, Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver one. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll have to change that. We'll have to change that for the pod when we drop the pod. Oh, for sure. There we go. I love it. I I, I mean, Adam, he's a a guy I've been high on uh, pretty much this entire offseason. And, you know, there are a lot of high-stakes guys who are very much off him. Uh, which I just I, I I still find puzzling. So it's it's encouraging to hear you uh, yeah. you know giving me that support on uh, <laughs> you know, continuing to draft Juju where I am. So yeah, and, and the, you can you can get him super cheap in Dynasty right now too. So if you're yeah. if you're you know you're bullish on a, a potential two year you know even just a two year run uh, attached as potentially Patrick Mahomes number one wide receiver, um, you can get him really really cheap. Um, in some of these dynasty leagues, you know, especially in the FFPC. Um, Stefan Diggs has been brought up as, you know, so many, a lot of people are on him. I'm just curious in a, in a 12, 12 team league PPR, how comfortable would you be drafting Stefan Diggs, Adam? Oh yeah. I, no problem. Like we have him eighth overall, I think uh, in, in the half PPR and kind of the best ball stuff. I, I have no problem taking him there. Like he, he's, floor ceiling combo on step digs to me. Like, I, I feel like last year was his floor. I mean, he, he just like, he was just like awesome last year and was still like somewhat disappointing, you know? And, and he only gave you four, four top 10 weeks yeah. uh, in the whole season. So I think that's why people are kind of shy, yeah. shying him a bit and why he's not maybe in that upper, but to me, he's in that top tier, man. Yeah. Sure. And it would seem like he did have a couple times where he, it seemed like it was going to be a complete smash game and then it just didn't happen. Um, but they paid the hell out of him. We all believe in the talent. Um, you're starting to see him go a little higher sometimes. I've got, I got him at the turn recently in a football guys, but I've seen him go like 108. I think some people in NFFC are pushing him up to, you know, right after that, the big three goes, Stephon Diggs goes like 106-ish. So he, he's definitely a guy who should smash this year. Um, so, uh, flipping over to the tight end position, uh, you, you talked about Mo Cox and, and Dulcich, late, late guys. What's your approach to the tight end position this year, Adam? Are you targeting the top guys, the mid-tier options, or are you looking to, with a late tight end approach, or are you open to many different approaches to the position? Yeah, so so my initial read on kind of structure is that, like, normally rounds three, four, five are, like, I love so many guys in rounds three, four, five. I feel like this year it's not that strong in that range, and so – whereas in the past some of the opportunity costs on the wide receivers in, in rounds three, four, five I thought were too high – to go tight end but this year like i'm kind of okay with it so like those like pits and kittle types that go you know in that range i think i'm fine with the mark andrews one is a lot of opportunity cost for me i mean i know 
he's been going in round two from what I've seen, like middle of round two a ton. And that scares me because the opportunity cost in round two to me is so much higher uh, than it is to go tight end than it is in other spots. Uh, you know, like, are you going to pass on DeAndre Swift or Aaron Jones or Mike Evans to take Mark Andrews? You know, I, I don't think that I would. And part of that is because I know I tell myself this every year, but I feel pretty good about some of these like round 10, 11, 12 guys. And Irv Smith is the one that sticks out to me as like the best of them. But I also like Robert Tunyon. I think Njoku is okay. And so, you know, like cobbling together something like, you know, Irv Smith, uh, Albert O and Ertz or, or two of, uh, you know, uh, Friar Muth and Tanyan. and Irv Smith or Tanyan or yeah, guy, you know, guys like that. I I'm always okay with that, but man, you know, there's so much data out there on, on tight end that like winning the tight end position in season long is so huge because you can like completely step on someone's throat, like the ceiling or, or the expectation on a given week for Irv Smith is six. And like, if you're getting 15, 20 from Kelsey every week, obviously like the gap there is bigger than it is for most people between quarterback or wide receiver, any other spots. So I, I like to prioritize tight ends. Just that, that Mark Andrews opportunity cost thing is I think a bit too much for me. And you're taking him out of ceiling, right? You're taking him basically out of ceiling. So he's yeah. going to basically repeat what he did last year. For sure. Kyle Pitts, Adam. What were your thoughts on him right now at his, at his current cost? Like I said, I, I, I think in a vacuum, it's not great in round three or early four. But when you compare him to the rest of the guys that go there, I, I like Pitts, you know? And, like, you can't just say everybody in rounds three and four are over, overvalued. You know, like that's a dumb thing to say because you have to draft someone, you know, so like it, it's going to be it's going to have to take someone there. And I think Pitts is fine. I mean, Pitts is like essentially a wide receiver. You're getting to play a tight end. I mean, he's he's awesome. Obviously, I'm worried about the quarterback play. I don't think Mar Marcus Mariota is really the answer at all. I neither on Desmond Ritter and it just it's not going to be great. The quarterback play. But but man, you know, Kyle Pitts, you're getting no no questions about it. You're getting to play a very good wide receiver at tight end. Yeah, no, for sure. Should, should be a lot of garbage time going on there. So yeah, and and he's still offering you upside. There's still room for him to to overproduce and and to pay back that ADP or more because he's so young and yeah. we don't know and what's gonna, you know happen. The, the stats been out there. You know, the the number one player who should have scored more touchdowns last year based on their opportunity was Kyle Pitts. I mean, everybody. I, I don't. That's not like rocket science, but but yeah, he's going to score more touchdowns this year, obviously. And then it was Komet, right, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, and that brings up a good point, Adam. We need you to uh, explain your Cole Komet blasphemy, having him all the way down at tight end 17. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it just comes down to – we've looked at Cole Komet because a ton of people have asked us why we're so low on Cole Komet. And we've, like, looked over his ranking, his projection, like, really, really closely, and we feel good about it. It's just hard to, like, assume leaps for Komet and hard to assume leaps for Justin Fields as a passer. And so, you know, I, I try really hard not to just like, like guys because they have a lot of opportunity. And I agree with you that Kyle, Cole Komet has a lot of opportunity on this Chicago team, but, but man, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like he's just like one of these guys that's going to get a ton of, you know, three for 36 games. And if he gets a touchdown, it'll be a good week. And if he doesn't, it's not quick, quick OTC guys from famous Jay. Troutman or Uzuma? <laughs> I mean, that's that's an other choice to make for your tight end uh, position. We, we are digging deep here. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Trout! I, I can honestly say I have not thought a lot about 
uh, either of these guys this year. Uh, we have Troutman tight end 33 and Uzuma tight end 28. So um, I'm sorry I can't give you more on these guys. I haven't put a lot of thought into them, but that's that's how we yeah. have it right now. Famous Jay, it's time to pivot. It's time to pivot. <laughs> and another quick one from Dave. Do you have a, a sleeper DST, uh, you know, for the football guys uh, who are drafting right now? Yeah. Um, I don't actually know where defenses go because uh, I've been doing mostly best ball drafts and those aren't DST. Is, is, have people given up on the Washington uh, defense? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I I still think they have one of the best pass rushes in the league. And I mean, nice. you know, if you you can get into, I don't worry too much about scoring at defense. And so I think Washington's going to give up points, but they can rush the passer, man. And you get into some of these games where opposing quarterback drops back forty times against the pass rush that Washington has, they're going to generate a lot of points. So yeah, I think if people have given up on Washington, I'm it's a good I'm, one. They're going in the last round right now in football, guys. So that's a good one. Yeah, I've liked taking Denver's defense, Dave. Um, I feel like Denver's kind of discounted a little bit. You heard what how bullish Adam is on the, their offense. They're going to put a lot of pressure on the opposing team, and they have some guys on that defense that can make plays. Um, Dan, is there any defense you've been drafting a little bit consistently? or Not anybody really consistently, because defense is one of those places where I, I tend to grab them when there's just, you know, there's no other compelling values. And so that can be kind of all over the board as to, you know, what point of the draft I'm taking my defense, you know, so every, you know, I've been able to get uh, a share or two of Buffalo, you know, real early, but uh, mostly it's been like, I, I can grab like San Francisco. They tend to drop um, a good bit. Denver tends to, to drop at times, you know, and teams like that where I, I just feel real good about uh, the, the offense's ability to put some pressure on the opposing uh, team to score points and then their defense being good enough to, uh, you know, come through and, and do a lot of pass rushing. And, you know, as, as Adam said, uh, you know, pass rush is what matters because that's where you get, you know, pressures, hurries, sacks, all those kind of things. Those tend to add up to uh, defensive points. Saquon Barkley's comeback story and his use as a weapon for the Giants uh, has been one of the storylines in June. Um, it's like positive drum beats every single day. He's getting, the hype machine is in, is in full blast. This week, we've seen him go as high as the one-two turn. How excited are you for him, and what are your expectations for him? And I, and I know you touched on how you're bullish on the Giants' offense, but specifically Saquon's role in it. I mean, how many running backs are left in today's NFL that have a true, true three-down plus goal line role? Like, you can count them on one hand, and Saquon has that. And so, like, the archetype of a running back that can finish – as the running back one, like the actual best running back, Saquon Barkley like has the archetype of that, you know? And so I want to be bullish on guys like that who literally, I mean, when he was going the third round, it was insane because, I mean, he could literally finish as a running back one. He's another year removed from the ACL injury. He gets the biggest coaching upgrade, biggest scheme upgrade in the entire league. And, you know, it's guys like this just like aren't available in the end of the second round, third round. Now you start to get to the first round, there's more guys like that that he's competing with that up, up there. I think the middle of the second round is where I feel good about Saquon right now. If you guys are telling me that he's going before that, I would have to start thinking long and hard about some one V one comps between Saquon and other guys that go around there. But I mean, if he's there middle of the second round, for sure, for sure. I'm taking him it, the archetype of the way he scores points and the way he's used is just like not how other running backs are used in today's NFL. He's just has such an outrageous role. Can, and we've can seen I throw a couple of OTCs at you on, on that, yes, uh, on the sure. box? Uh, 
would you take uh, Saquon or Aaron Jones? Uh, Aaron Jones. Okay. Um, how about uh, Saquon or Fournette? Uh, Saquon. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's that Aaron, Aaron Jones one is difficult, but I think I'm, I'm definitely – Definitely Saquon over Fournette at this point. JD, where are you on that one? I was gonna say all three of those are pretty much very similar. I just I'd probably mix them up. I don't hate either any of them, um, but I, I because I like Dylan, I probably skip Jones maybe one extra time uh, every every three four drafts. So maybe he's the guy I'd put third out of the three guys you just mentioned. Yeah. yeah. How about Saquon or uh, Derrick Henry? Ah, uh, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. So pivoting over to the quarterback position, which quarterback do you think has league-winning value this season in fantasy? Not necessarily who you think finishes as QB1 overall, yeah. but who might give you the best return on, on your investment Jones. as a draft pick? Yeah, I already mentioned two of the favorites. Uh, Trey Lance, I think, for sure, and, and Daniel Jones. I guess the more chalky one that I think is you know hard to fail is Jalen Hurts. I mean, from a offensive perspective they have a really good offensive line and now i mean aj brown Devonte smith dallas goddard that that's nice man and like i don't think they're going to come out and start throwing the ball over the field they're going to run in a ton they're going to run in a ton with jalen hurts though and so uh, it's hard for jalen hurts to fail i think we saw so much of his fantasy points last year come in garbage time but that's just like that that is what it is i mean he if they're winning it's going to be through him he's going to run for touchdowns and if they're losing, he's going to get to rack up stuff and he's going to get a lot more from his weapons this year with AJ Brown in there. So yeah, it's really hard for me to see Jalen Hurts not paying it off. And, and he's like QB six, I think or so right now. And, and I think it, it, it's just like hard to see him falling below QB 10 with the way that he scores points. Yeah. And he also, um, it seems like there's the, the tiers, it's like a tier break there where, yeah. you know, the, the Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson tier goes, and then there's usually a little gap, and then Jalen Hurts. So he's definitely a value right now. Um, Dan, anybody you want to add? No, I think, I think um, you know, actually Daniel Jones is, is one of those ones that I've been pounding consistently in the later rounds. And so that's, that's one place I really like going. Uh, and, I, you know, it, I, I do like Trey Lance as well. I'm a little concerned about how high he might end up going in drafts. Uh, but for right now, his price is still perfectly fine. So I, I don't mind him at all at this point. Who's, what is the most underrated offense right now? Um, is there an offense that could make a huge leap forward this year? You mentioned the Giants. Um, maybe another offense that you think um, fantasy, fantasy drafters are kind of underrating a bit. Oh, baby. I have – so much money on the Lions. I have uh, Dan Campbell, 60 to 1 to be coach of the year. I have DeAndre Swift, 100 to 1 to lead the league in rushing. I have Lions to make the playoffs, plus 475. I have Lions over six and a half wins. I have Lions over seven and a half wins. I mean, I, I, I know it's the Lions. And, like, they're, they have talent, man. Like, they've done a good job building the team, uh, period. And so... Jared Goff to me is a guy who can't elevate his teammates, but he can be elevated by his teammates. And when you try it out and eventually they'll be able to try it out. Hawkinson, Amon Ra, Jameson Williams, DJ Chark, DeAndre Swift, 
I think that those guys can elevate Jared Goff and turn this into like a legit good offense. And they have the pieces to do so. I think that they have pieces on the offensive line to really eat uh, some guys. And so, yeah, the Lions to me are the team that I'm hoping uh, uh, for my bank count's sake that that really uh, pops off this year. You got yeah. a great line. You got a great line on on a, on a couple of those. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, come on, buddy. I'm I'm always getting the best line. That's what I do. I'm, I'm always out shopping. He's shopping yeah. around. Shopping yeah. around. That's, that's it. Yeah. yeah. The nice thing about Jared Goff too is that uh, fantasy wise, you know, he just he kind of ends up helping you out every now and then just because you know he he'll throw that pick six that will just put more pressure on him. Uh, you know, to to keep trying to score. So that. You know, a, a quarterback who throws the occasional pick six isn't the worst thing yeah. in the world if uh, if you're banking on the skill player. Yeah. Um, and just a uh, quick thoughts on on Amon Ross St. Brown um, with your bullishness on on the line. Yeah, I, I get that he was the only show in town down the stretch last year when he was going off. I get that Hawkinson and Swift were out. They didn't have James Williams. They didn't have DJ Chark. I get all that. You don't do what Amon Ra was able to do without being really, really good at football. Like there's plenty of guys with opportunity and not been able to do it. Earning targets to me is a skill. And, you know, it's very clear that Jared Goff likes throwing to Amon Ross. So, yeah, obviously his target share is going to decrease. He's still a really, really, really good player. And I believe we're still really high uh, above Mark and him. Yeah, we have him 55th overall, and the underdog ADP is 65th overall. And so, yeah, we're, we're certainly still high on Amon Ra. What offense or fantasy gamers may be too excited about um, and should manage their expectations? Is there an offense out there you see could, that could really disappoint this year based on how much we're paying, paying for these players? Yeah, I didn't have a great answer uh, for this one. I, I, the first one that came to my mind was Arizona, but I don't think the ADPs are that high on the Arizona guys, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think that Arizona's offense, maybe from a national perspective, is overrated, but I still think James Conner is probably going too late for his role. We already talked about. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Ertz is not expensive. And so I, I think the ADPs on these guys aren't that high. I just think from a national perspective, like, I mean, Arizona's just like, to me, a middling offensive team. I, I, I'm so bearish on Cliff's ability to put them in the right spots to to play well. And, and without DeAndre Hopkins, I think there's problems there uh, as well. And I, I'm not a huge Marquise Brown guy either. And so, yeah, I, I, I get that the ADPs are probably fine, but... Uh, I'm not that high on Arizona. All right, guys, this was awesome. We're at we're at 55, so we'll uh, we'll close it here. Adam, you've been more than generous. Uh, dropped a ton of goatness. This has been a great uh, 60 minutes. We appreciate you jumping on. Remind the peeps about the goodness that you drop, where they can find it, and if you guys have any specials or anything coming up for uh, the listeners on ETR. Yeah, the best thing to do is we have free podcast and and we put out two two or three a week um, on all different kinds of topics. And so I I love doing the podcast, and so it's free, and that's the best way to get to know us. Is if you don't, is just find the Establish the Run uh, podcast and and check us out there. To must listen, Dan Theo, always a blast, Theo. What do we have coming up, brother? Um, we're gonna have some uh, a few shows after the holiday. Um, July is gonna be loaded. We had just an awesome June. Um, so, you know, expect to, we're going to do a couple of live drafts. We're going to have uh, some great guests like Adam. We got some of the best high stakes players in the country coming back on the show. Um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome July in the GOAT district. For sure, guys. Stick with us. Remember, uh, $35 sign up bonus. When you sign up to FFPC on your first deposit, we'll hook you up. You, you see the email on the screen, goatdistrict.gmail. 
at Goat District on Twitter or tweet any tag any one of us uh, on Twitter and Underdog. You guys know uh, we can hook you up with a free hundred bucks when you use the code District when you first sign up and drop your first uh, deposit, and then you know where to get your Goat gear, guys. Viridian Global, go right now, get your gear for this summer. Tons of T-shirts, hats for your wardrobe. This has been a blast, guys. Hope you guys got a lot of goodness out of it. We'll check you all later. Oh, by the way, happy Canada Day and happy 4th of July. So we'll check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's the And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be traded Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Adam, I got two minutes. I forgot to ask you, Buffalo backfield. How you feel about it? Uh, I James Cook. I, I'm I'm a little concerned about the ceiling on James Cook. Like I'm not sure even if Singletary got hurt that they would all of a sudden like give James Cook 20 touches. But you know they're going to throw so much, and I think James Cook will be the the pass down back. And so I I, I think I prefer. I, I think he's my favorite. You know, like hearing that we 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 pounded on Theo yesterday for liking Cook over Singletary. So. <laughs> I, yeah, was, I, I was, I was, I got, I got somebody backing me up right now. There you go. Close, <laughs> yeah, exactly. for sure. I could see Singletary being a value too, but yeah, I mean, we have, I think we have Singletary like 104 and James Cook 112. So yeah, certainly close. Yeah, without a doubt. And there's, there's no way to go wrong really with either one. Yeah, that, yeah, that so. yeah we appreciate Adam. This was awesome, man. All yeah. right. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate it. Nice yep, take care, Adam. Thanks All again. Right, later. Yep. Later.